Colorado-based singer-songwriter Pamela Makala strikes an earthy yet elegant aesthetic balance with influences ranging from jazz and soul to musical theater and folk. Signatures of Pamela's music include sprightly hooks, effortless vocals, subtly complex chord changes, feel-good funky grooves, and boldly vulnerable lyrics. The songs on her latest album, Something Simple, which would fit comfortably on a playlist with artists such as Sarah Bareilles, Wolfpecks, Theo Katzman, and Lake Street Dive have already earned Pamela some accolades. An honorable mention from the American Songwriter Magazine Lyric Contest for her original song, Cardboard Cutout, and the grand prize in the 2019 Songdor International Songwriting Competition for Bleeding Me Dry. Something about you Always tucked at the sleeves of my memory Welcome to the Raw Songwriting Podcast, where I challenge my guests to write a song in one week based on a random prompt, and then we sit down and talk about the process. Along the way, we talk about the broader craft of songwriting, I'm your host, David Coyle, and it's my pleasure to introduce Pamela Makala. Welcome to the show, Pamela. Thanks for having me, David. It's an absolute pleasure having you here. This is, uh, uh, I'm really looking forward to this. We've, we've worked on a couple projects together, and uh, it's always, always a fun time. However, I will say this. There's one thing that uh, I found out while uh, looking at your bios uh, uh, for the show, um, that, that you have a philosophy, undergraduate philosophy degree. I also happen to have an undergraduate philosophy degree. And so uh, I'm curious, how does uh, philosophy inform your songwriting? Well, that's a great question. I, I like to think that folks who are drawn to philosophy are curious about these existential questions that actually show up in songwriting quite a bit, you know, both philosophers and songwriters are trying to understand and process the world around them and think about existence and death and all these different, you know, deep topics. They certainly ask a lot of the same questions. That's, that's for sure. Um, has there ever, just explicitly, has there ever been a point where you were like, I wonder what Aristotle would have thought about this, or or what's uh, what's Kierkegaard's take on on love? You know, I mean, anything like that ever crossed your mind, or do you have any songs that that have any direct influence of philosophy? You know, that's that's an interesting thing to think about. I I have not thought about what a particular philosopher would say about an issue in any of my songs thus far, but what. One song, actually, the, the title track from my new album, Something Simple, it's, yes. it actually is all about thinking about how we treat others in relationships and what we can do for others and what we can't and understanding and thinking about those questions. And I think that's actually... My favorite philosophy classes in college were the ethics classes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's actually something that I work, sort of work through in my songs pretty often. Is just the, these, the question of like how, how to be with other humans, how to treat people, things like that. Absolutely. That makes perfect sense. I, I had a friend who I, I used to have you know, deep philosophical conversations with, and they were always, you know, kind of these logic traps and whatnot, you know, you just got, you know, into the weeds. 
And he asked me, it's like, do you have any uh, philosophical songs? And I, I, I sent him a song that was about communicating in a relationship. And it's like, this is a really philosophical song. And he's like, well, it just sounds like a relationship song. And I think, <laughs> I think you're right, though. I think that um, the, you know, songs typically deal with those topics, uh, I guess, maybe just a little bit more with poet, uh, poetry than, than with kind of codified rules and things like that. It's, it's much less stuffy. It's a less stuffy way to be a philosopher. So. Exactly. Much less stuffy and much more emotional. It's tying yeah. that logical brain side to the human emotional side. Now, you have a, a new album that just recently came out. And, I do. And as you, as you mentioned there, and we've got... Uh, uh, we have uh, a couple of those songs queued up here, so why don't why don't we um, why don't we take a listen to one of them, and you can kind of tell us uh, tell us about your songwriting process. How does that sound? Sounds great. All right, this here is "Bleeding Me Dry" by Pamela Makala off the album Something Simple.
All right, that was Bleeding Me Dry by Pamela Makala off the album Something Simple. And what a groovy cry of desperation. That was that was awesome. Um I just I, I just gotta say right right off the bat, I absolutely adore that line. Giving it up would be like sawing off my arm. That is just such an amazing image and 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 line there and uh and i and i can totally relate to this song uh as i imagine most artists can and uh i mean is this well is this specifically from an artist's point of view or 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 well why don't you just tell us about it what what is this what's this song about and how did you come up with it first of all i think a groovy cry of desperation is maybe my favorite descriptor of what this song is so thank you for that <laughs> This song come, came out of a very specific experience that I had watching the movie La La Land. Yeah. So there's a scene in that movie where the main character, who's an actress, has worked really hard to put on this show, and it has a very poor turnout. No one shows up, and there's this climactic scene afterwards where she's raging to her boyfriend, Ryan Gosling, I think. Yeah. I just can't do this anymore. It's too hard. I've been trying and it's not working and I'm giving up. And it was, it hit me in the theater so hard that day because I remembered the show after which I had said almost exactly those same things. And I think it's true that all artists have that moment and maybe multiple moments like that in their journey. And uh, I went home and like the next day or next couple of days wrote this song. Hmm. So that just is, so it just rolled right out of you. After it just that. rolled right out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely something I relate to. I, and like you said, I think, I think most artists do. Uh, one thing that came to mind was, um, you you hear people interviewed that are success stories or so-called success stories and uh they ask you know they it seems like they always have a story saying it's like yeah i got my big break right when you know i was really thinking i was going to give up you know what they don't tell you is that that's not that infrequent of feeling you know i mean i, I it seems to me that there have been a lot of times where you know something really special happened right after i felt like i was about to give up and I, I feel like it's almost like just the natural existence of of a artist or somebody who's trying to be a working artist. Um, I mean, how how often do you kind of reach those depths? Do you think? Well, I had I had this one memory of a show that was in the dead of winter. I was sub. A friend of mine had asked me to cover for her at a show at a coffee shop. It was like. I was living in the Twin Cities in Minnesota at the time. It was like 20 degrees below zero. And because I had taken the show on sort of last minute, I hadn't done a ton of promotion. And literally the only people there were me and my boyfriend at the time and the barista. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I had, you know, lugged my gear out in this sub-zero temperatures and played a two hour set and I came home and was just distraught and was like, I can't do this anymore. And so that was sort of the moment that I was specifically called back to when I saw mm -hmm. that scene in La La Land. But there have been 
many of those moments. I think I've had some over the course of the past year with the pandemic. Yeah. And with gigs just sort of disappearing overnight and not knowing what the future would hold when that would come back, I I had some moments over this past year where I thought, what am I doing? <laughs> and is is music the thing that I still love and want to be doing and the answer is always yes at the end of the day i always yeah. come back to that but i think i think it's valuable to acknowledge that we're going to have those doubts along the way absolutely and that that's okay one one thing that really gets me is every time i hit one of those crisis modes is i just i just look at the alternative and you know i i, I you know i maintain a part-time day job um, which is not music related at all, or it's not creative. It's, 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 you know, pushing papers and counting, counting beans and all that stuff. And, uh, and I, I look at that and I'm just like, wow, I would really hate to go back to doing this full time. I would really hate to have to, I mean, I, I just can't imagine how I would stay psychologically stable, even doing it, going back to doing a, a full-time job. And that's, I, I co-wrote a song with a, f a friend of mine uh, and we ended up writing it about a documentary he had just written, which was, um, was about those wing suits, you know, those flying squirrel suits. No, those... tell me about the flying squirrel suits. Okay. They're, they're basically, they're, they're suits that people put on and it allows them to glide through the air. You don't fly, but you're gliding. Uh, so they're gliding suits and they, you know what, you know, a flying squirrel has kind of that, uh, that that flap between its arms and legs so they've got suits like that you can put them on you can actually jump out of an airplane and or off a cliff or whatever and you can fly basically or you can you can float you can glide for a so it's like a hang time. glider but it's attached to your body basically yeah um a lot less control i think uh but this is the thing the people who do this they die at a remarkably high rate and what's more <laughs> What's more is they actually see each other die at a, at a remarkably high rate, but none of them will give it up. They don't. They go together they, they, because it's such a rush that they can't uh, they can't stop doing it. And there's okay. a little bit of that with music and, and art, I think, is, you know, once you really kind of throw yourself into it, that it's it's such an amazing experience that, that, it, that it's really hard to, to put down again. I hope that doesn't offend anybody making the comparison, but that's it's it seems to me like going all in is it's hard to come back out again. It's, it's I an like that. I like that. And I think, you know, it's a good reminder of. For me, a lot of a lot of the feelings that inspired this song are sort of external. And why am I doing this if no one cares or no one's listening and having those feelings of yeah. not getting external feedback but always coming back to the realization of actually i'm doing this because i love it i'm doing it for me uh, yeah just the, and foremost the the that full uh creative expression is is really a, a, a tremendous release it, it really is well let, let's talk a little bit I, i'd like to get into a little bit more of the the, the hard process here uh of of putting this together because you 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 deal with a lot of jazzy chords that that i i don't know that I don't even know. And I, you know, I, and so I don't end up touching. So, so when you're, you're 
you know, building something like this, I, how, how do you go about constructing it? Are, are you a, are you a lyrics first person, a music first, or do you do them at the same time or? It varies widely song by mm. song. I would say the most frequent starting point for me is a title or a general sort of idea about the thesis statement of the song. So I suppose mm. that would be lyrics first in a way, but typically it's very rare that I will write even a whole chorus or a verse section, just lyric or just music. Uh -huh. They are walking together for the most part. So even when I, you know, when I think that you know, the first line of the song is going to be, I can't do this anymore, I'm giving up. Mm -hmm. The words are already implying a kind of rhythm or meter. I'm kind of thinking about a tempo. And often I'm thinking about a melody also. As far as chords, which is one of my absolute favorite things about songwriting is choosing chords. And playing with how that affects the emotion of the lyric. Yeah, it just, it sort of depends on the song again. And if I'm trying to write something a little bit more poppy and in the box, I will stay away from the jazzier chords for the most part and keep it a little more diatonic. But I love the palette that you can get when you add seventh chords and nines and fun color tones it just it sort of like painting with the whole rainbow rather than just the primary colors so do you have um so i'm curious do you have like certain chords that 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 you know sort just sort of elicit certain types of emotions and i mean like for instance if i were to say melancholy you know, is there a chord that comes to mind for, or or a chord combination that comes to mind for if you're trying to get that melancholy feel? Well, minor is a classic melancholy vibe. I think, you know, the six chord is is a good starting point for that, or we could think of it as the relative minor. Other, I think the four chord is actually a very melancholy chord, even though it's a major one. Minor four can also be very melancholy, but I think I, I once had a theory teacher who described the four chord as being parked in the driveway at home. So you're not, you're not home, but you are at your second home. <laughs> and I loved that. I think a lot of times like the four chord is it's, Honestly, it's probably my favorite chord. If I if I had to choose one, it's just got so much It's it's for me that one is very it has many applications. It can be melancholy, it can be happy. If it's like 1 4 5, it's like really powerful and happy. If it's if you're just hanging out on it, especially if you add if it's like a 4 with a major 7, I think that has a really nostalgic, wistful vibe. It it just it can go so many places. That's an awesome answer. 
<laughs> that's that's <laughs> I so could awesome. I talk about chords for like that's... five hours. Okay, okay. Let me ask you another another one. What's what's a what's a chord that you really love, but that you don't use very often, uh, or that you've or you've only used very, you know infrequently, and then maybe you feel it's not appropriate for most songs, but but you really dig it when you actually can fit it in there. You know what I don't use hardly ever is just a plain old five dominant seven chord. So if you're playing a tune in, G, in C, that would be G7. Mm -hmm. And I think to me, it has more of a classical music sound or a country music sound. Mm. And this, is an, this sort of touches on another thing that I am interested in and think about a lot, which is how harmony kind of implies genre. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you have, if you've got a song that's just triads, one chord, four chord, five chord, maybe the five, seven chord, that sounds like a country song to me before I know anything about the lyrics or the melody or the instrumentation. Whereas if you have a song that is using some seventh chords, like some minor seven chords, some major seven chords. I'm thinking more R&B, soul, jazz. There's sort of like, there's already a vibe around the genre. For me, I guess that five seven chord is often, it's not the genre that I, I'm trying to go for, mm. for whatever reason. So I think that's a chord that I really love and appreciate, and I don't include it in hardly any of my songs. Well, let's let's, uh, let's pull up the other song that you brought in here and, and, and take a look at that as a case study. This is Some Other Night by Pamela Makala, also off the album Something Simple. Just what? 
was it centimeters? Was I a ladybug's footstep away from being someone you'd want? Being some other girl, being some other girl, being some other girl who would know how to flirt and chat with the world. Fill up the space in between your words But I know, I know, I know, I know I know I'll never be another girl Won't you tell me the truth? Won't you tell me the truth? Oh, I don't want to hear it But I want to know I can handle it So sat in my car listening to the rain stop and I wondered how another could ever make me feel how could some other love how could some other love how could some other love he won't have your groove or your checkered gloves he won't have your grin or your goofy shrug but i know i know i know i know i know i know i have to know no i know i know i know i know there will be another love all right that was some other night by pamela makala off of the album something simple and uh <laughs> i get i i really really enjoy this song um in in so many ways i i, I love the tempo changes that that up to uptick uh for the chorus is just really really awesome but the the verse um the piano part in the verse i like how it 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 feels like it meshes with the lyrics really like you know the raindrops it feels kind of like raindrops in the first verse but then it also feels like the inches and centimeters and the footsteps in the second verse and it it just it it, it just the the color that it adds to everything and then and then i just absolutely love that image of the checkered gloves and the goofy shrug at the end i there's i there's a lot of great stuff in here so so talk about it what's yes. what 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 went into making this song so I think this is a good example of sort of a typical, my typical songwriting process. Mm. There's a couple of elements that I remember that were happening at the time of writing it. And one, and this is something that happens to me a lot. I'll be listening to a particular song that I really dig and it, something about it I want to try and emulate. And so at the time of writing this one, I was listening to the Punch Brothers song, This Girl, which mm. is an awesome, awesome song. And it's got the string part in the intro. It, it does sort of a similar thing where it's jumping around. I'm not singing the pitches correctly, but it's it's sort of this really bouncy, like instrumental intro that I found really cool, and I 
was thinking about, I think I was actually just trying to play it on piano and figure out what the notes were. And that sort of inspired this bouncy right hand part. And as I was sort of listening to the song, loving the song, being inspired by it, I was also wanting to write about something that had happened in my personal life and feeling some rejection. And I think this is sort of a common, very loosely autobiographical, <laughs> loosely autobiographical song. So something, an emotion or experience that I was feeling and the actual story is not perhaps totally truthful and accurate, but mm -hmm. as someone wise once said, never let truth get in the way of a good story. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So I think this is, this is a song where actually the music sort of influenced the scene of the lyric. I think after I had that same realization of thinking that the bouncy high notes were sort of sounding like raindrops mm, okay. and that created this scene in my head of it raining outside. And yeah, as for the double time on the chorus, that's something that I think came about by accident. I was just playing around with what would this sound like double time? And I liked the power of it. My, I, I remember my concern. I remember bringing it to Boulder in the Round workshop and asking, is this too abrupt of a shift? Because we're going from and it sounded sort of intense and abrupt. But I think there's something kind of cool about it, actually. And I remember, I remember folks responding to it well and saying it didn't sound too abrupt. So I went with it. And yeah, I, I think. Um, I would go further than that oh, sorry, and say, uh, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm talking over you. But the uh, I'd go further in saying it's OK. I'd say that that's like a big hook in the song. I think it's just it, it really draws you in. So. But I'm sorry, fin finish your thought. I apologize for And actually, speak also on the, the double time thing. This is another thing that I think about a lot is just how important rhythm is in everything and how everything really boils down to rhythm. Even pitch is a certain vibration. Mm, it has every yeah. pitch is a rhythm. Very true. Everything is rhythm. We are rhythm. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I, I think that I don't you know, know. I'm getting a little, little philosophical. Little philosophical with that, here but... is that yeah. So you wonder, yeah <laughs> what did Aristotle think about rhythm? I well, I I'd say that that that's that's really apparent in your songs is that even when you're doing something kind of uh, slower and melodic and it doesn't necessarily have. Um, you know, like, like even, you know, percussion or anything like that. I mean, it, it, it feels, I guess, I guess a piano is a percussive instrument. Um, but, uh, that it really feels like there's, there is a sense of rhythm in, in what you're doing. And I, I know I really, I, I really do appreciate that in your stuff. 
Thanks. Yeah, it's something I like playing with a lot. And, you know, even the effect of having a chord that lasts for four beats and having a section where all the chords are lasting for four beats and going to a different section where the chords are lasting for two beats or the chords are lasting for eight beats. It, we don't necessarily consciously know, oh, now the chord is happening for this many beats, but we feel that change emotionally. Yeah. And I think that, you know, anytime you have a double time of a melody you've heard earlier, suddenly it's urgency, you know, the emotion is like, shit is going down. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, I wanted to ask you another question. Um, cause you, you primarily compose on, on piano, but I know that you do stretch out a little bit. Um, and then I, I, you know, you, you do compose on guitar sometimes and I've uh, even on drums, uh, I think, cause you were, you were learning how to play drums at one point and, uh, I'm I'm curious now when you when you write with another instrument, does that change how you write? Do you find that influencing what you do? Definitely. I've actually written on guitar more in this past year than in the previous 33 years of my life. One thing that I have come to realize is that I think holding a vibrating box of wood to your chest is very soothing. Hmm. And during all the pandemic anxiety, I was just drawn to playing the guitar way more than I ever had been. And it led to a lot of guitar songs. Um, a, a guitar is like a musical hug. It's a, it's a musical oh my hug, gosh, buddy. It is. <laughs> it is a musical hug. I think the main difference that I notice when I write on guitar is that I'm a little bit less in my head about chord choices, actually. On the piano, you know, I, I'm constantly sort of in music theory brain because mm -hmm. I find it so interesting and love thinking about it. And, but I also, I think it can be an obstacle sometimes. I have the certain chords that I like and, oh, if I went here, I can go there. And I've probably done that five times before in five other songs. But on guitar, because I don't know, I don't always know exactly what note or chord I'm playing. I find it's easier to sort of write from this intuitive place and just think, oh, that sounds cool. And <laughs> intentionally not, try to not figure out what it is exactly. It's a little bit more, I feel a little bit more in my beginner mind. So the possibilities are more open. Interesting. And I, I think I also just write a little bit more simply when I'm writing on guitar because I can't play guitar very well. Sure, sure, sure. So, you know, I have to, noodle around and find some things that are pretty easy to play. Yeah, I, it's, I think it's useful to pick up uh, other instruments that you're not familiar with every once in a while. It, it definitely, it, it pushes your creativity to different, uh, different directions. Yeah, you it can does. Break, over, it break you out of your rut, I guess, if you've, if, like you said, you, you fall on the same chord sometimes. And, and I think it also 
you mentioned that piano is a percussive instrument. And I think when I write on guitar, it tends to be a little bit gentler and hmm. less rhythmic, which is just also kind of a cool departure. Hey, well, how's the, how's the drumming going? Have you been doing that much during the pandemic or do you find that the pandemic actually makes it less uh, desirable to work on drums? I have not been drumming at all and I, I want to get back to it because I love playing drums, but <laughs> the main impetus for learning and playing drums is for my dueling piano gigs when I um, need to do that. And because there haven't been any for the past year, yeah. I've sort of fallen off, fallen off practicing drums, but oh dear, I would love to get back into that this summer. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, we're going to take a short break here. And when we come back, we are going to get to the crux of the matter, which is the, uh, the challenge song. And, and I had sent uh, about a week ago, some prompts out to you and we're going to find out what prompt Pamela chose. And then we'll hear the songs that we both wrote based on that prompt. So we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to the Raw Songwriting Podcast. I am interviewing Pamela Makala, and uh, and we're having a grand old time here. And uh, but we're going to get to the crux of the matter. About a week ago, Pamela, I sent you a list of random prompts for you to choose from uh, that we would each write a song based on. And so I'm going to read off those those prompts here, and then I'd like you to tell me and our audience, why you chose the prompt that you did. So uh, the first prompt was a random picture. It was a, a picture of two dogs running across a, a bridge. One of them has a, a rope, a uh, rather thick rope dangling from its mouth. Uh, there was a random word, which was anaphia or anaphia, the inability to feel touch. There was a random concept. Write a sequel to one of your favorite songs. There was a random question. Do you have a nightmare travel story? And then there was Timmy Reardon's fearless prompt uh, for that week, which was inside a shoebox, which includes a picture of what looks to be a tiny humanoid person being spooned by a, uh, a gerbil. And uh, there's a little bit of light coming through the box. So, um, so Pamela, which, which prompt did you decide to go with? I chose inside a shoebox. All right. Uh, were there any of the other options that tempted you? Or was, did you just know right off the bat that was the one you were going to go with? I suspected I was going to go with the shoebox one right off the bat because it made me feel the most emotionally. Mm. I was also really intrigued by the picture of these two dogs on the bridge, but I didn't know exactly what song would come out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I was reminded of Homeward Bound. Remember that movie? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But but you decided to go with Inside a Shoebox. And, but yeah, uh, I, I went with Shoebox. So what was it that inspired you about that one? I mean, you said it made you feel. It seemed to have a lot of directions it could go so okay. i love the little picture of the gerbil squirrel whatever it is spooning the little kid with the hole <laughs> and the light coming in 
And I just thought there's a lot of things that could be inside of a shoebox. It seemed rich as a prompt. Well, let's uh, let's listen to what resulted from that prompt. So this is this here is called Shoebox by Pamela Makala. It is her challenge song for this week. Stepped into a room still full of familiar furniture, but it felt empty somehow. The long kitchen table where we'd always play cards, the stubborn sliding door to let the dogs out to the yard. But by book, I went through your shelves and came across a shoebox with a story to tell. Some things I only learned after you'd passed. So much I never even thought to ask. Bits and pieces of you, tales I never knew, inside of an old shoebox, inside of an old shoebox. Right on top there was a photo of you and Grandpa kissing on the beach. Now I realize that the age gap must have been quite a scandal. You looked about 19. sisters with a childhood colleague a folded up letter from your oldest friend Molly thanking you for being at her side in the days after her daughter's suicide some things I and pieces of you tales I never knew inside of an old shoebox inside of an old shoebox you lived a whole life before I was born and I'm grateful 
much I never even thought to ask Bits and pieces of you Tales I never knew Inside of an old shoebox Inside of an old shoebox That was Shoebox by Pamela Makala. It is her contribution to the to the uh, prompt uh, this week, the challenge song. And uh, wow, what a what a sweet song! And but at the same time, not too sweet. I mean, you've got a little bit of one of the things that hit me really hard was the thanking you for being at her side in the days after her daughter's suicide. And just I, there's so many rich details in this song and. Uh, and a, and, a, and bits of nostalgia. It's a it's a it's a really wonderful song. Thank you for writing it. Uh, uh, do you want to thank you for inspiring it? Oh, you bet, you bet, absolutely. Um, so, uh, well, why don't you tell us a little bit more of the nitty gritty details and and how you put this together this week? So, my first step when writing from a prompt lately is to sort of spend maybe ten or fifteen minutes just doing some free writing, doing some journaling about whatever it is, and in this case, shoebox, and thinking about, like we were chatting about before, it can go in a lot of directions. I thought, you know, it can be a shoebox that has shoes in it. You can store a lot of memorabilia in a shoebox, and going down that path of thinking about old letters and photos and things, I was reminded of, again, sort of like we were talking about with some other night, there was sort of a, a kernel of relevant, like personal experience. Um, my grandma passed away last January mm -hmm. and I did fly to Florida and help my mom and, um, grandma's sister, uh, go through some of her books. And there were, in fact, I, I ended up finding notes from friends and little sort of mementos that it was, it was really interesting to sort of get that perspective. And it, it made me think a lot about relatives and loved ones, like after they've passed away, sort of through their belongings. And so there wasn't actually a shoebox, but I thought that sort of jumped out at me as a possibility. I think oftentimes, and you'll likely relate to this as a fellow songwriter, we always have sort of 17 partially finished songs floating around. <laughs> and we true. also have a cloud of emotions or concepts or ideas that we want to write about. And I think that was one that just hadn't materialized into a song yet was mm -hmm. the sort of vague concept of some you know someone who's passed away sort of still being there through physical belongings and yeah another thing that I've been doing with prompts is doing a quick 
Google search of other songs that have that title or have oh. shoebox in the lyrics. Okay. Because I, I'm always sort of looking for an angle that hasn't already been written about. Yeah. Thinking about, all right, so I happened across like a bare naked lady song about shoebox full of lies. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a country song by Chris Young of sort of a more straightforward mama told me to you know keep these photos in a shoebox and one day i'll have all these wonderful things to look back on and i thought a shoebox of someone's you know finding a shoebox of someone else's sort of it seemed fresh and so i just kind of like took that took that idea and ran with it and I think again I was doing some free writing about you know some memories and setting the scene and things that much of that turned into the verse um and then it I think the the first section to solidify was the chorus which is often the case I think sure I liked especially I mean not all of my songs have choruses sometimes it's a little bit more of an AA a type sure. of format but i think yeah knowing what the main statement is is really helpful for fleshing out the verses and the bridge and so the the construction kind of went chorus and then verse one verse two then bridge something interesting here that you you did both in this song and in uh bleeding dry um which you know it's not uh, i mean people do it but uh, but not not everybody writes pre-choruses um which is you know a, a kind of a distinct section that that transitions between the verse and the chorus and and i'm just I, you know what are what are your feelings do you have do you have thoughts on pre-choruses uh is that something that you latched on to early when you were starting songwriting or did you develop into using those i love pre-choruses and i you know, I don't think I did write them into my earliest songs, but somewhere pretty early on in the process. Yeah, I I have a tendency to sort of get bored of verses, but sometimes mm -hmm. I have more to say than will fit in those initial four lines. Yeah. So I think for me, the pre-chorus is sometimes just a way of extending the verse and setting up the scene but with new musical content. Mm -hmm. And I like, I also like the flexibility of the pre-chorus. So sometimes, you know, you can have a pre-chorus coming out of your first verse and before your first chorus, but not between the second verse and second chorus, or sometimes it'll be shorter the second time around. I think I find them to be very flexible. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, I think mostly it's it's just about being able to say everything you need to say in the verse, but keeping a a fresh feeling of having introducing a new element. Very cool. I like that. Uh, I like the thought there that the pre-chorus is a little bit more malleable, perhaps than 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 the verse itself, and that and it gives you that flexibility. 
That's interesting. Yeah. Can I, I, mean, I, I have you? a few pre-courses, but not, I, I don't think I, I don't use them very often. And uh, it makes me listening to this makes me think, hmm, I should try that a little bit more. Oh, I, I love a pre-chorus. Not as much as I love a good bridge, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, can I share with you one of my all time favorite pre-choruses? Absolutely. Yeah. Firework by Katy Perry, I think, has the, the best part of the song is the pre-chorus. You get that stair step rising oh can you uh 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 can you sing a little bit for me i'm trying you to remember just gotta what it is ignite the light oh yeah it's a perfect build-up to the oh it's yeah. such a good build you're right up. you're right it is like yeah that's that's the thing about a pre-chorus is that it really um it does allow you to create a dramatic buildup to the, I mean, you know something, because it's a pre-chorus, it's, it's like, we're taking you somewhere, get yes. ready, the, the roller coaster is about to start here, you know, uh, buckle up, you know, make sure that you're in your seat. So yeah, 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 yeah. I like that. I like that, that feeling of anticipation that, that it brings. So very cool. Well, hey, Pamela, let me tell you, there's something that I like to ask of all my guests. Well, two things really. One, do you do you think of this as a finished song? And two, if not, what would be your strategy for revising it? What do you what do you think you would do? A great question. I would call it finished enough to go in my spreadsheet of finished <laughs> song titles. <laughs> uh -huh, uh -huh. But I don't. I really don't think any song is ever set in stone. Mm -hmm. I'm. I'm always going back and tinkering with things. And sometimes, you know, I have this one song that I think I wrote in 2009 or 10. And then I wrote a totally new bridge for it like 10 years later. Oh, wow. So I think they can always be, they can always become, you know, they're always, even if even a recording is just, a recording of one moment in time of that song. And I think it doesn't have to stay like that necessarily. Mm -hmm. My editing process, I feel like I actually edit quite a bit during the writing process. Sure. So a lot of lines will be placeholders and I'll go back and revise. Um, do I have my notebook handy? I was going to show you my notebook and how many things are crossed out <laughs> as I'm going through. And well, when you're but, when you're going when you're on your way when you're when you're writing it, uh, what what do you look for? What kind of what kind of edits? You said you do placeholders. Um, mm -hmm. You know what? Uh, you know what are you looking to, to to sharpen up typically, or is there is there a pattern to what you find yourself you know fitting with more than other things? I think most of my editing is lyrical. Mm -hmm. The melody, the music of it tends to be more whatever first comes to me. And that's, that's not always the case. I think for this one, actually the sort of like the timing, the harmonic rhythm of the chords was, it didn't fall into place till the end of the process. I was still sort of tinkering with how I wanted that to be. But one thing I think about editing for a lot is just clarity. 
is what I'm, is this lyric make, making sense? Sure. Am I saying what I'm trying to say? Is it coming across? Rhyme scheme is another one. I think in this particular song, I, as I was looking at the lyrics, I didn't exactly know how the rhyme scheme was going to shake out. And at some point in that first verse, I, I hit upon A, A, B, or, you know, X, X, A, X, X, A type of thing where uh -huh. I saw where the rhyme scheme was going. And that, that caused me to jettison some other stuff that I was intending to include in the bridge. But, you know, you got to, sometimes you got to kill your darlings because they don't fit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, but as you said, you some of those things you hang on to after were the fact, right? So you may use them in in another song. Yeah, totally. One of my one of my lyric axioms. I don't know if that's the right word. One of one of the things I do when I'm editing lyrics is cross it out, never erase it, oh, because okay. you never know. You might circle back. I think that was that was from a math teacher I had in like the third grade. Whenever, when you were working on a problem, he would say, don't erase it, just cross it out. Yeah, yeah. That's, and that's stuck with me. That's with, smart. With songwriting. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Great tip. Great tip. Right? Yeah, I, I, there was, uh, I think it was Nicole Wagner. I, I, I did a co-write with her uh, recently, and uh, um, and she likes to use parentheses. She'll, she'll mm -hmm. you know, she'll put in parentheses an alternate way of, of, of doing the song and she keeps it in. I think she keeps it in her lyric sheets. So I'm guessing like if you're, well, I guess if you're reading off the lyric sheet, you know, if you're performing, then you can kind of toggle between the two, depending on how, what your mood is maybe. But mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense because sometimes, you know, how many times do you go through a, you know, a lyric and you're like, okay, well, you think you fixed it here, but it's like, pushing a bubble down on a carpet and it just sort of pops up someplace else. And so you go to try to fix something in a different spot, but then that takes you back to the old idea. And yeah, yeah. Totally. So absolutely. It's a good thing to keep those, those in there. One other thing that I do in the editing process is hmm. I use the thesaurus pretty liberally, especially <laughs> yeah. with the verbs. I really want to make sure that I'm, hitting the right the right word so i'm just looking at the chorus here actually this is not a verb but tales i never knew that lyric i think tales was things it was and then i thought oh i'm i already used things in the first verse in the first mm. line of the chorus yep it was like five different words before it was tales so thesaurus is one other thing that i i turn to a lot during the editing do you, do you actually have a physical thesaurus that you flip open the pages or do you just go online and say synonym for this or you know, I use or... thesaurus.com but yep. I do have a paper a well-loved paper rhyming dictionary and I sort of have been interested in getting a paper thesaurus because it's nice to not have to go online oh yeah yeah absolutely yeah I there's uh, yeah I I mean, I, I've been using the, the online thesaurus more and more in the last uh, year or so. Um, but uh, yeah, I, 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 I miss having like a physical copy. Uh, maybe I have yeah. one. I, I don't know where it is, but uh, um, there's also there's a there's a there's an element of serendipity 
that you don't get when you're looking online because it'll give you exactly what you want and not much more. Whereas if you're flipping open a page, you might accidentally stumble upon a completely different word that that absolutely somehow inspires you. And um, all right, well, I think uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna play my song, my contribution to the prompt this week. Awesome. I don't know. For the last three weeks, I've had the same. Uh, or for the last, uh, yeah, for the last several guests, I've had the same caveat. Um, I, I, I've been doubling up on on writing songs during the week because, well, I had a whole bunch of cancellations or, or postponed interviews in in March. So in April, I've been doubling up trying to get my buffer back to to normal, and uh, and I I feel like I've been rushing a lot of this stuff. So, um, nevertheless, uh, so this was mostly written yesterday. And this was while I was still under the influence of uh, the second dosage of my Pfizer uh, vaccine. Wow, you're a champ writing during that. I'm, I, you know, I was feeling better, but I, you know, I actually, normally I record the same night that I'm writing it, but I just, I was totally out of gas um, when I got this, this written. So I had to do it this morning, but yeah. Okay. This here is uh, stood up again. By yours truly, David Coyle. This is my contribution to the uh, to the challenge this week, and uh, here we go. Guitar in my hand, pizza in a pan. Later, got plans with a new fan girl. I can't tell that they're all jealous. All the other fellas in the band. Break down the gear, throw back a beer Gotta gather our pay from the bartender there And I don't care if I split my share When the loving time's coming near And I don't mind passing time And I look like a happy dude But closing time's the final sign I've been stood up, stood up, stood up I've been stood up again I see bumblebees, the harmonies, and which one of these will they notice me? Try a little tenderness, it's best swipe right if you please. Pick out a day, pick out a place, at the Shade Cafe we'll meet face to face. Take that table, the first one available, all things come to those who wait. And I don't mind passing time, but I'm not in the texting mood. I read your lines, my mood declines I've been stood up, stood up, stood up I've been stood up again Oh yeah, stood up again Oh yeah, stood up again Hey, baby I go into work, I'm told not to flirt Cause I can't be sure if they will return it But my manager wears a ring on a finger Yet her dinner offers are assured I arrive once more to knock on a door But I wonder if I even should I wait outside, away my pride All the goods and all of the woods Before I'm done, she calls my phone And says the news ain't good The husband's home, you'd best be gone I've been stood up Stood up, stood up, been stood up again. Oh yeah, stood up again. Oh, stood up again. Oh baby, stood up again. Yeah, yeah, baby, stood up again. Oh, stood up, stood up again. I've been stood on, 
stood up again. All right. All right. That was uh, Stood Up Again by uh, yours truly, David Coyle. Uh, it's my contribution to the prompt uh, uh, this week. And uh, before I get into it, uh, did anything stand out to you about this song, Pamela? Where's the shoebox, David? Okay. Yes. That's uh, <laughs> you'll notice that I actually, <laughs> I actually have that on my notes here uh, for this is like, where's the shoebox? <laughs> um, yeah. So, Okay. <laughs> The shoebox. Um, Tell me about this. Okay, the the first image that came to mind for me was um, pulling a, a hairbrush out of an old shoebox, and the reason, well, because hmm. I was thinking my the hairbrush that I have is the it's a it's a hairbrush that I I I I, I appropriated from my father when I was a kid. Um, he let me have the brush because I just really really loved it. So so I have this hairbrush. And I was going to relate it to a shoebox uh, full of knickknacks, maybe old heirlooms, that sort of thing. And this mm -hmm. was an image in my head, and it was all about grooming for a date, you know, basically grooming, getting groomed for mm. a date. And I started writing, and I kept thinking, I'm going to fit this in, I'm going to fit this in, I'm going to fit this in. And then I never found a place to fit it in. And um, And I might go back and try to do that, but I was a little bit, this other stuff was kind of coming out and it was a little bit easier yeah i may i i don't have a bridge in this song i could could stick it into a bridge uh, i don't know but that's the reason it was excluded it was it was the initial image and it just it, it just didn't go in and and sometimes that happens <laughs> so i cheated this week. i actually think that's so cool that you wrote a prompt song that doesn't specifically mention the prompt and it shows how these connections exist in our mind and just like word associations. Yes. I think it's really cool. Well, the other, the other big thing that kind of, kind of waylaid me this week was, um, my, uh, my roommate, uh, is taking a performance class and, um, I guess one of her fellow students had tried singing the, the song Carrie by, uh, uh Joni Mitchell. I don't mm. know if you're familiar with that one. Um, mm -hmm. but I love that song. And, um, and she was talking about how like there was this well just kind of it was kind of an an interesting song i mean she was particularly kind of going off on it's like there's this this random like octave jump and it was like wh why would she even write that what was it and and she listened to like you know the joni mitchell version was like okay well it makes sense when joni's doing it i don't know so it got me thinking about that song because it's an interesting interesting song i mean it does have that octave change that comes early in uh, early in the verse. I think the chorus is really interesting because it's not what you would normally expect of a chorus. You know, usually like a chorus is like a bumper sticker and hers is like, Carrie, go get your cane and I'll put on some silver, which is such a, those are great lines, but it, it, it's, you know, I, I would be worried about writing something like that. But the other thing about uh, uh, Joni Mitchell Got it. And I hate comparing either. The song was inspired by Joni Mitchell, but in no means am I trying to measure up to Joni Mitchell. But I want to I want to put that out there. But the other thing about Joni Mitchell is that, you know, a lot of the great songwriters, you know, whether it's like Dylan or maybe Elvis Costello or, or, or whoever, they tend to cram a lot of words into a small area. And um, Joni Mitchell also does it. She crams a lot of syllables and a lot of wor words into into a small parts. 
but the difference between her and and somebody like Elvis Costello or, or or Bob Dylan is that her voice is so remarkable and her phrasing she she puts so much I mean she figures out the phrasing that it somehow works and so when I was sitting down writing this uh, there were a couple things that I wanted to do one is I wanted to put in an octave leap um mm -hmm. I wanted to cram a bunch of words in there and see if I could fix it through phrasing. Ideally, I wanted to come up with the same kind of imagery that she did, and I utterly fell flat with that. Uh, that's for sure. I, uh, uh, part of it was because while I was doing my research, I, I put a I put together a Joni Mitchell station on Pandora, but it was also pay playing like Cat Stevens, and so there was like a Cat Stevens song that that totally got me, and it was like, okay, well, I'll fit that in there too, and and so. So anyway, those were kind of like the elements that were going into it. Yeah, I guess the other thing was that Joni Mitchell, her her story was pretty autobiographical. So I was thinking, well, I got to put in something, you know, autobiographical here. Trouble is, is that my world is not quite as interesting as Joni Mitchell's. She had the the story behind that song as interesting as the song is sounds like it's actually a more interesting story even beyond the song um whereas my my life is less interesting than what's in this song but uh but i tried to do some some autobiographical stuff here with a little bit of embellishment that's basically what's going on in this song nice i now that you mentioned the cat stevens influence i can hear that in there for sure yeah, the first uh, the first line, you know, guitar in my hand, pizza in a pan, and that's that's like from I can't think of the actual name of the song. It's like I can't let it in, I can't let it in, I gotta let it out. So that's kind of taken that a little bit. I mean, hopefully, I think that these are. I mean, I these kind of touch on those things, but I think they take them in different directions. So I don't think they're like a slavish copy of any sort. I really like the rhyme scheme you have going on in the verse, like guitar in my hand, pizza in a pan, and then two lines. And then the last line rhymes again with that first. That's super cool. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I kind of feel like, um, and do I keep that without throughout? I often tend to drop my rhyme schemes throughout songs. Yeah, you they... keep it throughout. We got bumblebees, e-harmonies. That was please. really clever. Yeah. 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 And then please. Yep. Okay. Well, I have so to ask, is yes. the is the last verse based based on a true story? <laughs> um that specific detail uh is not true. You know, there was no point I was standing at a door and I got a phone call telling me to go because well I didn't even have a cell phone back gotcha. then. So uh though there were canceled plans, you know. But that was yeah, anyway, that was a that's a that was a bad period there. Yeah, so there is some there is some truth to that. Well, I mean, they're all there's all truth to it. I mean, I've certainly done the online dating thing, and there's been there's been uh, miscommunications or whatever. And yeah, anyway, I've been stood up. I've been stood up. Yes, yes, fine. You've made me admit it, Pamela. I've been stood up uh, multiple <laughs> times. Doesn't always work out. I'll bring another song we've in. We we'll talk about the successes. There. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's see. So I guess I gotta, I gotta, I gotta follow suit and give my own kind of self critique of this song. I, I like, I like kind of the rhythm of the song. I, I don't think I have a lot of songs that are have this kind of driving rhythm, and it's kind of danceable too. I like that. So I'll probably keep that. I think the the build up to the chorus. I don't think it's very clear. In most of these, the uh, the verses that uh, 
that there's a chance that there's a concern that things might not happen, you know, because it's like I'm stood up again, not stood up for the first time. So in that first, mm -hmm. the first set of verses, I kind of feel like I want to do something at least implying more anticipation. I think it might be a little confusing what's going on there. Because I, I, I originally it was not fangirl, it was pancake girl, because the, the autobiographical part was that I had, uh, there was a waitress that I met at a breakfast place who had said that she was going to come to a show and we were going to maybe get drinks afterward. And so, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. I was trying to put in the breakfast thing and then I was like, the pancake thing, well, that sounded weird especially right after using pizza in a pan because it was at a pizza place, but it's like, I can maybe change the details in a different way. I don't know, but it's like, what does that mean? Pancake after a pizza pan? I don't know. So I changed that, but, but fangirl makes it sound like I'm, I'm just hooking up with somebody. So I'm not sure if I want to put it that way. Um, uh, let's see here. Oh, I think the Shea Cafe thing, it sounds like the person's with me when we get the table and then they're bailing out, which actually could be interesting. Maybe that's the way to do it. But the idea is actually just being there and waiting for the person and they don't show up. I don't know. I to me, I think this is a huge mess. And I, I but I but I think it's a promising mess. I, I, I'd like to tighten this up in so many ways. Uh, and and part of that would I worry, though, would ruin the exercise, which was to try to put a jumble of words in there and try to fix it through phrasing, you know, mm. which I think is it's an interesting challenge, you know, because it's like the breath control, you know, you got to do sometimes. Yeah. Um, a lot of words in a small space. Yeah. Yeah. And then just the strategy, like I have this thing here. It's like. uh it's like, but my manager wears a ring on her finger, yet her dinner offers are assured. And that's a huge mouthful. And I, the strategy for like, you know, when you're strategizing how to sing words, I think the way to do it, and I didn't get enough time to practice it, but the way to do it is to do, but my manager as one word, but my manager, you know, but my manager. Do you ever do that? Right. Do you ever sit down and like kind of look at the word structures and like, how am I going to sing this? And I'm just going to pretend like it's one word with multiple syllables and just take out those breaks. So if I were like bum a manager, you know, and just make it into a new word, uh, I think I could sing that more effectively. Um, I originally had supervisor in there and that was insane. So I think usually when I have a spot that feels like a couple too many syllables, I'll look for a synonym that has fewer like but my boss yeah but i understand like if the intention is to have more syllables in there and deliver them quickly <laughs> um that's cool too it's insane what Joni mitchell does in some of that stuff it's uh, i yeah so oh, I, yeah. it may just be a point where i've just got to kind of say hey I can't sing like Joni Mitchell. I just can't do it. Um, part of that, though, is I didn't want to give up the the soft near rhyme of manager wears and manager wears finger, you know. Mm -hmm. But yeah, boss. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I love how much internal rhyme you have in a song. Well, just this song. This was this is also kind of, you know, I had uh, Shanna recently. Uh, uh, on an episode and she's like all about the internal rhymes and I was thinking okay I I she's completely ran away queen. from that I totally I totally ran away from it in the episode that 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 when she was on and I was thinking okay well maybe I can do it here so um anyway. actually I meant to mention I I think you should keep the fan girl in there for that exact reason because I really liked 
got plans with the new fangirl rhyming with hand and pan. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I will, I will, I'll probably do it. I mean, it's better than the pancake girl, I think. So, yeah. <laughs> Although you might have hit on a idea for a new kind of restaurant, pizza and pancakes. Oh yeah. Cause they're all in a pan. Uh, okay. So, so that's the song. I don't know. This is kind of a, I don't know. I, I, there's a lot that I, I like the groove on this song. So I, I think it's something that I'll probably work on and, and make better. And I, I, I think it would be a fun song to play. And I think it would be a good contrast to some other songs. So, but we'll see. But right now I, I, I put it in that it needs a lot of work section. So what's your editing process? Like just in general, um, yeah. it has, it has changed a lot. Uh, you know, it used to be that I would I would do uh, the edit as I go type of thing, and it would take a long, long time to get a song finished. Uh, you know, months or weeks or months, that sort of thing. It would be rare that I'd get something that just kind of whipped out. Um, about four years ago, I started doing my uh, song a day January thing, and yeah. that that became more of a. Uh, I became enamored with first draft songwriting is kind of what I saw I see it as. You know, the idea is that you just want to get something that resembles a finished song and and then you go back and, and revise it afterward. And that's kind of like what, you know, you do if you're writing a novel or something like that or, or other other types of things is they, they suggest that you you just whip it out and then you go back and you, you fix the stuff and you get used to doing revisions. So what I would normally do is I would, uh, so what I normally do these days is I whip out a first draft. I mean, there's, you know, minor edits that you do when you go along because that's just impossible to avoid but um but get it out there and and then let it sit for a little bit sometimes it's 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 just fine oh i should say this with uh when i do my january songwriting i i also post it publicly and i get feedback from people and i think that's kind of important because sometimes something that you hate you know that some somebody else might really love it um and i think it's similar to like going to an open mic with a new song you play mm -hmm. a new song and it's something that you're not done with, but you get feedback from folks and they'll tell you, it's like, I really love this. And it'd be something that maybe you didn't think was that important, but all of a sudden, oh, okay, well, that's, I guess that's a keeper. But I'll, I'll listen to stuff. I think a lot of it does have to do with how, how well it just fits. You know, like you were saying, you know, if you're, if you're struggling a little bit, you'll look for an alternative. And this, this song, just because the nature of the challenge was such that I was trying to do something different, I, it may be different, but most songs I, I do the exact same thing is I'll, I'll, I'll be singing it and I'll be like, you know what? I keep fumbling at the same spot every time. So there must be some other way to do it. And then occasionally, I, you know, this is actually a frequent thing. I, I find uh, that oftentimes the first draft of a song, the lyrics are just way too basic and straightforward. And so, which is, which is good for some songs, which is good for some songs, but, but a lot of songs you want to have a little bit more poetry or you want to have a slightly more oblique approach to what you're trying to say. And so mm -hmm. there, there have been times where I'll go back and I'll just completely re rewrite the lyrics uh, and just get rid of everything. Uh, there was one song where uh, I remember, I think the, the chorus of the song was like, I'm not prepared to love you. And I decided like, okay, that's just way too straightforward. So I went back to a kind of puppy love situation, you know, a childhood situation where it's like, you're just discovering love for the first time. And when, yeah, it's like, you know, you're, maybe, you're not mature enough necessarily to do it. And you're kind of running away from it a little bit and, and decided to use that as a metaphor. 
So, so I guess that's in a nutshell. I think uh, usually when it comes to chords and whatnot, I'll I'll play around with that more uh, during the songwriting process because uh, I'll. Mm-hmm. I think I actually probably when I'm doing fast writing, kind of these first draft stuff, I don't pick necessarily as many interesting chords as I used to, but sometimes. There we go. Probably too much information. Cool. <laughs> no, I love I love hearing about it and talking about it. It's my favorite thing to talk about. Oh, very nice. Very Songwriting nice. in general, not just editing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, it has been uh, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Pamela. We are drawing near to the end, but before we get there, I want to give you an opportunity to plug whatever it is that you got that you need to promote that you want to get out there that you want people to buy or just know about what's going on pamela well first and foremost if you have not already listened to my new album something simple i would say go and take a listen uh i spent many many years and a bajillion hours pouring my heart and soul into this album and really proud of it and it is available anywhere you like to listen to music uh spotify apple music Bandcamp. if you really dig it you can order a physical copy the cd or buy it from my Bandcamp, which is just pamelamakala.bandcamp.com the other thing that i would like to plug and it is upcoming i don't have a set date for it but i am intending to launch a patreon in the not too distant future so if you are someone who enjoys exclusive behind the scenes kind of content i will be posting a bunch of unreleased songs and blog posts and things like that on my patreon so keep an eye out for that i will be announcing it on my socials and website which is all again just PamelaMakala.com and slash at PamelaMakala on all channels. <laughs> <laughs> if you need help spelling that, I can't help you. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's M-A-C-H-A-L-A. All right. And we'll, we'll have that uh, in the description of the, uh, well, it'll be the name of the episode. So you'll be, just look at the name of the episode. Just yeah. look at the name of the episode. And, and I'll have a link to, I'll have a link to your, uh, your website. Uh, as well so perfect well once again thank you Pamela this has been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for having me David it's been just a delight okay and I'm actually not sure who next week's guest is going to be so we'll uh, uh, be on the lookout though I'll probably have prompts posted for next next week's episode by the time we actually post this episode and and when we do post those i do encourage you to play along uh please pick a prompt write a song and then post it as a comment for an episode or you can tweet me at david l coil or if you want to you can uh you know send an email to me at rawsongwriting at gmail.com and that could be about a new song that you wrote or you could have questions about uh any of the guests or about me or if you happen to be a singer-songwriter who is passionate about uh, the craft of songwriting and you think this might be the right kind of show for you, then, uh, you know, shoot me your, uh, your EPK as well. 
If you've enjoyed this week's episode, please consider contributing to the program via Venmo at Dave Coyle or paypal.me slash Dave Coyle. In the meantime, keep your songwriting raw and riveting. Guitar in my hand, pizza in a pan Later got plans with a new fangirl I can't tell that they're all jealous All the other fellas in the band Break down the gear, throw back a beer Gotta gather our pay from the bartender there And I don't care if I split my share When the loving time's coming near